This episode of Hello PhD is sponsored by Promega and listeners like you. Thanks for your support. You know, Dan, to be fair, when I was a grad student, that postdoc in my lab also wasn't right all the time. That's true. They lied to me as well, so. I want to call BS a little bit on ChatGPT right here. Just a little bit? Welcome to Hello PhD, a podcast for scientists and the robots who love them. This week, we asked ChatGPT for advice on time management. Step one, stop messing with ChatGPT. Stay with us. And we're back. This is Hello PhD, episode 188. I'm Joshua Hall. <laughs> and I quit. I'm Daniel Arneman. And we'll discuss the human side of science and life in the lab. That was Dan, pretty good. We are a little, uh, a little punchy in the intro today. Really good impression. Really good robot voice. I was doing the robot dance, too. I don't know if that came through over uh, Zoom. I think everybody felt it. That was really, <laughs> really moving, Josh. Good. Well, Dan, we have an exciting, exciting episode that I am very much looking forward to and put the least amount of effort into of any episode that we've ever done. You have been thinking about this episode for longer than you should have. You've been telling me about it for weeks, so I'm excited to finally hear the topic. But before we get into that, Josh, uh, tell us what we're drinking. All right, Dan, I am really excited to be drinking this beer today. Um, I don't know about you, Dan, but it has been unseasonably warm here in Maryland where I am. It was 64 degrees today. Actually, according to my Watch, it is 64 degrees right now at 9.30 p.m. here in Maryland on February the 9th. Uh, so spring weather has set in. I don't know if it's going to last, but it has made me crave a lighter, more refreshing beer for the ethanol segment today. You put away the porters. Uh, yeah, so today it's a lager, right? That's right, Dan. So this beer was given to us by listener Terry. And this is Park Lager from Schlafly Brewing in St. Louis, Missouri. A place that I have visited at least once. Uh, so I th I'm reading some of the specs you put up here. So it is a lager. I didn't pour it into a glass. I apologize for that. I have no idea what color it is. It could be purple. Um, but it's 15 IBUs. That's the bittering units. And 4% uh, ABV. So low gravity, low bitterness. Very mild beer, I would say. I think if you had a beer-flavored seltzer, this might be this what you would imagine it would taste like, which is, which is actually not a knock on this beer. That's not a negative at all. I think it's quite... It is probably exactly what it was hoping to be. Um, I did want to say, Dan, this is the Park Lager, which is in honor of Tower Grove Park in St. Louis. Have you been to Tower Grove Park? I, is that where the big arch is? That is not. Okay, then no, I have not. Uh, the thing I remember about, uh, so in St. Louis, I visited there before. I almost did a postdoc in St. Louis, Dan, at WashU. And I remember Forest Park, which is like the big park. And then there's this other park, Tower Grove Park. And the thing I remember about Tower Grove Park is it was right next to the Missouri Botanical Gardens, which I still remember, though it's been many years, how blown away I was by it. I had such an amazing visit to the Missouri Botanical Gardens. So if you're ever in St. Louis, highly recommend you go check that out. And when you do, you can take a stroll through Tower Grove Park. As Hell PhD's resident gardener, I should go see that someday. I mean, if I liked it that much, Dan, I imagine you would love it. 
Okay, well, I will check it out. I will probably have another uh, park logger when I visit. Dan, we want to say a quick thank you to our friends at Promega. Some of the first techniques that you learn in molecular biology could be purifying and amplifying nucleic acids. Whether you're new to the lab or you just need a refresher, you can nail these basic skills and learn how to overcome whatever challenges come your way. Boost your confidence in the lab and more at promega.com slash hello DNA. It is fun. Everybody does it. You have to extract your first uh, mini prep, right? I remember my first mini prep. I really do because I got my buffer PE and my buffer EB mixed up. Total fail. Oh, those are not the same thing. Not the they same. They look similar. Both clear. <laughs> story, story for another day. <laughs> All right, Dan, let's get on with our topic of the week. All right, Dan, I'm really excited about this. I know you're excited. You have literally been telling me about this episode for probably a month that you were excited to do this. So you have finally given up and let the robots take over our podcasting jobs. That's right, Dan. I mean, we have full-time jobs. We're both parents. We both have friends and social lives. Speak for yourself. So when I discovered ChatGPT, the first thing I thought was, maybe this can write our podcast episodes for us. Is that really what you thought? That's not the first thing I thought. But You're like, give me stock tips. Fir- <laughs> it was one of the first 10 things I thought. Um, so I actually did, Dan, as I was playing around ChatGPT, I thought, what is a common question we talk get asked about on the podcast? And one of those are for time management tips. In fact, some of our most popular episodes have been where we discuss time management. And I thought, okay, well, as good a job as we did on those episodes, I wonder if ChatGPT could do an equally good job giving time management tips for graduate students. So that's what I did. I asked ChatGPT to give us some good time management strategies for grad students, and we're going to see what it said. I just want to reiterate here. You have a technology from the future, a, a computer's intelligence that has absorbed all human learning up until about 2021. And instead of saying like, what's the cure for cancer? Or how do I get rich on pork belly futures? You said, give me a podcast episode about time management. Well, I also asked it to write a heartfelt text message to my wife. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, that does sound heartfelt. All right. Well, Josh, I, I will go along with you on this. I'm cautiously optimistic that ChatGPT will not lead us astray. Tell us, uh, tell us about your interaction and what you learned. All right, Dan. You know, I actually, I do wonder if we should take a slight step back before we get into this. In case some of our listeners maybe don't know what ChatGPT is all about. They might say, who is, this, who is this guest, ChatGPT? Dan, have you, have you used ChatGPT? I have indeed. Could you give us a quick overview of, of ChatGPT, of what it is? Oh, I can give you a really poor overview from a very limited understanding. I have not studied it very deeply. But from what I understand, it is, an, uh, it is a bot. It is a chat bot. It is built on a lot of data uh, built into machine learning models, and it can produce what looks like conversational text. 
And it does this based on probabilities that it knows about words that follow other words and topics that follow other topics. And it can string together sentences that sound a lot like another person is talking to you. And it does this so convincingly uh, and, and across so many wide varieties of fields that basically everybody is now using ChatGPT or trying to figure out ways to use it in their work, in their personal lives, like you said, to compose emails. Um, I don't know, just the the opportunities are pretty well limitless at this point. And I think there's been a lot of buzz about what it means for a lot of different industries. Is it going to take jobs? Uh, is it going to revolutionize certain practices? And I think it's all being sorted out as we are kind of living through it. It's a pretty momentous time in, in computers. Yeah. And a lot has been written in the academic space about the fear or the reality that that students might be utilizing ChatGPT to come up with essay answers on their exams. Um, Dan, I, just for research purposes only, I asked ChatGPT to write a reference letter for a graduate student applying to a certain PhD program. Scary good, like <laughs> or at least yeah. scary passable. And you know, even if maybe it wasn't a perfect writing that I would utilize as is, it was a pretty good start. It got you 75% of the way there. So there's been a lot of discussion about how universities and faculty who are teaching courses might recognize a, an AI-generated exam response uh, and how to crack down on, on tools like this that are certainly the future and going, only going to be more prevalent. Yeah, I don't know how much time you want to spend talking about how this impacts research science, and maybe we can save that for a future episode. But I think it, you know, there will be clear applications for our listeners as they complete their PhDs. And, it, and it's not just in, can I cheat on this term paper? It's, I need to understand some new aspect of a new field. ChatGPT, can you synthesize the last 50 years of research in this area and just give me the basics? And it can do that. Uh, no matter what the field is that you're probably thinking of, it will produce a reasonable semblance. The trick is, it's not always correct, and it has no problem lying to you, and it will not indicate that it's doing so. And so, Josh, to your uh, letter writing, you know, it might produce that great first draft, but you probably should look it over before you send it out. You know, Dan, to be fair, when I was a grad student, that postdoc in my lab that I would go to for advice also wasn't right all the time. <laughs> That's Sometimes true they too. lied to me as well. So, <laughs> do, Without do batting an diligence. eye. <laughs> uh, but you're right, Dan. I think certainly on a future episode, it'd be interesting to talk about uh, ways that ChatGPT and other AI tools might be useful to graduate students in the future or graduate students now. So if you're out there and you've utilized tools like this in your research or in your training, we'd love to hear about that. But for now, Dan... I want to utilize ChatGPT for the most useful... Uh, not the cure for cancer. Not the cure for cancer. The most useful application of generating this podcast episode. So, as I mentioned, Dan, I asked ChatGPT, what are some good time management strategies for graduate students? Because that is something we get asked all the time. And what I think I might do here, Dan, is go through these time management strategies that ChatGPT told me about, and we'll just see if we agree with them and think, is this good advice for our listeners or no? Promise me that you are not going to read it all in your robot voice. Would you like me to? No, I said promise that you will not. Oh, okay. I promise. I promise. All right, Dan, the first one 
is time management is an important skill for graduate students to develop in order to balance their academic and personal obligations. I'd say that's true. Yeah, it's kind of a throwaway statement, but yes, it is It is a true statement. It's important. Okay, so here, here's the meat. Here's the meat. All right. So ChatGPT says, one effective strategy for managing time is to create a schedule and stick to it. That is just groundbreaking advice, Josh. What, what do you think about that, Dan? Creating a schedule and, and not deviating from it. I think, think that's, that's a good. <laughs> I, I hope it goes upward from good. here. It does. <laughs> it sounds good. Uh, but, I, you know, I, that doesn't. I want more, Josh. I want more than create a schedule and stick to it because I think probably everybody listening knows that as advice. May, they may or may not do it, they may or may not know how to create a schedule and stick to it. But they probably know that a schedule would help. I think so, Dan. I, I th- I'd say that one part of that advice that I don't 100% agree with is the you must stick to any schedule you put together. Because I think sometimes as your day goes on, as new priorities emerge or shift, it can actually be important to be able to deviate from an initial plan uh, given new information. So I would maybe counter that point that sometimes it's it's certainly good to have a plan, but also to be engaged through the execution of your plan enough to know when you need to reprioritize and not robotically just stick to a plan because you wrote it down. That is nuanced. You're asking a robot to tell you to do something non-robotically. But you're right. In, in any kind of research, things don't go as you plan them. It is a guarantee. And so being able to be flexible makes sense in this context. I will say ChatGPT did go on to clarify and add on to that sentiment a little bit and said that it can also be helpful to prioritize tasks and focus on the most important or time-sensitive ones first. And I think we actually have talked about that on a previous episode about time management, how what can be useful in planning your day is certainly make a list. I am a big fan of writing down the tasks that you have to do coming up because if you're anything like me, Dan, sometimes something I need to do will be organized in my brain for a moment in time. But by the next day, it will be very easy for me to overlook it. And so a good thing to do is just to, and I do this this very day, keep a sheet of paper as things come up in your mind that you need to take care of, just jot it down. But then it's up to you to figure out that, to realize not all tasks have equal priority and put the most important ones those having the biggest consequences, if you don't do them, that is, put those towards the top. Yeah, we spent some time talking about the focus funnel many years ago. You remember the focus funnel uh, was all of these tasks that are in your life start at the top, and you sort of filter them out as they scale down to the very most important ones. And I encourage people to go back and listen to that. But ChatGPT is talking about the most important and the most time-sensitive ones. I think that makes a lot of sense. I also, and this is not from ChatGPT, uh, I also get a lot of utility out of doing the ones that I want to do the least first. So I'm the kind of person that if, if there's a certain kind of task, maybe it's a writing task or I have to, you know, do some review of some paper that somebody else wrote. That's not my favorite thing to do. That's not the thing that like engages me the most. And so I need to put that first. It needs to get done. I know it's important, but I need to do it before I get into the other things that I actually like more because if I get into the other things I like more, I'm going to totally forget to do the thing that I have to do. Uh, and I have a few of those things on my plate at work right now, so uh, I have to get those <laughs> things done tomorrow morning. 
I love that, Dan. And I think that is a tip that we gave on a previous time management episode is, is do the ugly tasks first. Uh, get them out of the way. And also that builds a lot of momentum to get those out of your mental space. You know, it makes the other tasks a lot easier to do. Uh, okay, Dan. So, so beyond that, ChatGPT went on to say, in addition to creating a schedule, it can be helpful for graduate students to use tools such as a planner or a calendar to organize their tasks and deadlines. Pretty, pretty uh, <laughs> generic stuff there. Use a, I don't know. It's, it's, it's all, you know, if you were an AI, uh, machine learning bot, and you consumed 15 time management books, you could probably string together that sentence just based on the probability of those words falling in the same place. Do you use a planner or a calendar, Dan? I sure do, Josh. I use a calendar. But I don't necessarily use a calendar for tasks that I have to do. Mm. I use a calendar to keep track of meetings. But to organize my days at my work, we have... I mean, we've talked about agile planning on the podcast before, I think. Every morning, everybody on my team says, what is it that your priority was yesterday? And did you accomplish it? What is your priority today? And are there things that are in your way that are able to prevent you from getting it done? And so every day I have to think about, okay, did I actually do the things yesterday that I said I was going to do? What, I, what do I plan to do today? And if I need something from another team member or I need a question answered by my boss or whatever it is, I can put that all in Slack. Everybody can see what everybody else is working on and also what's blocking them. And having that visible and actually having taken the time to think about it, uh, I know what I'm going to do every day. So I never have a day where I'm like, oh, it's 3 p.m. I haven't really made a plan yet, which is what happened to me in grad school every day. Yeah, I like that, Dan. And I think that goes back to something we talked about on a previous episode um, where I was discussing things I learned uh, looking back on grad school. And I love that focus that you're talking about where worst case scenario, you're going to hopefully get done one of the one really important thing every day. And I think absolutely agree, Dan, sometimes in grad school and even in my life and work now, your brain can get jumbled up, at least my can, mine does, where there's just too many things going on and you feel paralyzed. Whereas think about over the long term, like I think most of us, there's probably some work or professional task that's like the most important thing or the thing that's most critical for us to get done. And really, at the end of the day, if you could either choose between getting five lesser tasks done or knocking that one really key thing out, that's what we would want. So if we could just get that one important thing done every day, I think uh, we would all make better progress in the long run. I think that's great advice, Dan. Um, and I'm glad you came up with that. I didn't come up, but I, but I wish that labs utilize some of these tools. I know they exist because I'm using them now, but I, you know, in my experience, labs weren't communicating in these clear ways where everybody knew what everybody else was working on. It, it felt very uh, isolated and independent, and that meant I could drift for a long time before anybody found out. All right, Dan, so ChatGPT went on, besides using a calendar, that it can also, to say, it can also be useful to break larger tasks down into smaller, more manageable ones and to set achievable goals for each day of the week. That's what I just said. Actually, that kind of is what you just said. Uh, I do like that breaking large tasks into smaller, more manageable ones. I think that's really key. You know, you can't 
finish AIM-1 on my thesis project. Like that is a many days, many months task, but there probably is some little piece that will move you closer to that goal that you could do today. So, so I like that. I'll give ChatGPT a check uh, for that piece of advice. I'm going to go out, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate now and say, I think you should take really small tasks and bulk, bulk them together into one giant task. So every day you should just say, have my paper published and start there. Mm. I mean, I never tried that, so maybe <laughs> I would have published more papers. Graduate been faster. More precise in my goals. Finally, Dan, it is important to allow some flexibility in the schedule and avoid overbooking or trying to do too much at once. Actually, I think that's right on, right in line with what we were just talking about. Wouldn't you say? I agree with that. Although it hints at the sort of mental health side of trying to get too many things done, and and it's it. I'm I'm probably reading in more than the robot wasn't saying, but to me that says make sure you leave space in your schedule because things come up that you don't expect and you don't want to drive yourself batty pushing every minute of every day uh, from six in the morning till nine at night. Agreed. Agreed. You know, I do, Dan, I want to call, I want to call BS a little bit on chat GPT right here. And I think this Just a little bit? might be, well, this might be evidence of what you were saying, Dan, of as great as this sounds. And really, Dan, if I read, if we when we read these out these pieces of advice that chat gpt is giving us about time management they sound reasonable they're english they sentences like, yes <laughs> if you were mindlessly reading a time management book you might think okay this is this is a time management book yes that might be what you think yeah you would know what it's about but if you recall where we started on this journey we started with create a schedule stick to it and where we have ended is Make sure you leave some flexibility in that schedule. Kind of opposing viewpoints, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, it is It is slightly more nuanced. But it's not magic, Josh. It is just probabilities. <laughs> that's true. That's true. All right, Dan, so that's, that was how ChatGPT first answered my question about good time management strategies for grad students. If you were going to rate that answer on an A, B, C, D, F grading scale, what would you give it? I'd say C plus. Yeah, I'd go C, C, C plus for sure. There were some true statements there. Could use some work. So I wasn't, I didn't stop there, Dan. I wasn't totally happy with that response. So I went back to chat GPT and said, are there any other time management skills for graduate students? You had another chance to ask for the cure for cancer and you missed it. Well, you know, at that time, ChatGPT was really, uh, the server wasn't built out enough and you might get kicked out at any time, you know, so I only had so many queries. That's my point. That is my point, Josh. (laughs) And you asked it for more about having a calendar. World world peace. You could have solved world peace. You had the chance. I I just want to solve these time management dilemmas for all of our grad student listeners. Free, clean energy. Go. Well, I just want to point out, if you're using ChatGPT and you don't get an answer you like, ask again. Okay. And so I did, and I think I like this one better. I think there's some good stuff here. Interestingly, whereas the first answer was in paragraph form, this one's in a bulleted list, which is much more amenable to my podcast notes. So, oh, you should have actually, actually, you should have given it that context. Uh, it does quite well if you give it a style, a format that you want. It will do a great job at putting that out. So you could have said, give me a time management podcast and I want it in 
Elizabethan English. And it would have done it, and it would have been beautiful. <laughs> next time. Next time. I will say, Dan, one thing I love about this tool is the memory of what you've already talked to it about. Uh, so, so the second response started with this. In addition to creating a schedule and using organizational tools, which is what we just talked about, there are several other time management skills that can be helpful for graduate students. These can include, and we're just going to go through rapid fire, Dan. I'm going to read these off and get your feedback. Go for it. First. Setting aside dedicated study time, finding a quiet, distraction-free location to work. Tough to do in a laboratory environment, but good advice if you are actually studying or trying to read papers. Agree. And I think the pandemic has helped with this, that maybe labs, things we've heard from students, is PIs and lab heads are more willing to let people work from home or work from the library or somewhere else when they have have to really focus. This is something that I do to this very day, and I think this is great advice. Yeah, you're doing a lot of different types of work when you are in a research environment. And so being able to split that up to the context that you need makes a lot of sense if you're allowed to do it, and maybe people are now. That's great. All right, number two, limiting the amount of time spent on social media or other non-essential activities. Ooh, ChatGPT calling us out on this one. <laughs> Strong endorse on this one. My bad habits are Twitter and Reddit. And yes, less time spent on those things is probably better. Although I do see a lot of cute cat pictures on Reddit. So it's tough to take that away. Saying no to commitments that are not essential or that do not align with your goals. I think... Saying no. Great advice. I'm curious to know how many commitments... Uh, the typical graduate student is is getting offered. I don't remember. I remember taking on some, you know, we had side jobs, we had game night, we would go out and do things. I don't know how many th- of those are commitments, though. So it's hard for me to na- assess whether this is like a real problem for graduate students. Yeah, you know, I didn't interpret this so much from my own lens as saying no to things that are important to you outside of your professional life. So I think some of those things you mentioned, Dan, were quite essential for right. just staying <laughs> in a good mental health space. Uh, but, you know, I think this can be a difficult one the earlier in your career that you are. So if your advisor comes to you and says, you know, I have this really crazy idea that I just thought about last night in the middle of the night when I woke up, and I think you'd be the perfect person to go on this wild goose chase and, and learn about this protein that has nothing to do with your project, what do you say? It can be very difficult if you're newer to the lab or earlier in graduate school to say no to that, even if you know that's going to take quite a bit of effort and not really f- move you towards finishing your thesis. Uh, but I think something to think about um, as new work opportunities come your way uh, is really trying to stay focused towards your ultimate goal, uh, which is graduating. That's fair. I agree with you that it is difficult to say no to that person. In this case, I wonder if being able to separate those, some of those personal things from those professional things, I think as an as a early graduate student, you're not asked necessarily to participate in so many extracurricular activities like this. So um, you're not going to be personally invited to collaborate with another lab. Whereas if you're a faculty member, you might be offered collaborations all the time. And so I agree with you, there's probably a difference in where you are in your career and whether saying no is cutting a path off of a, how do I say this? You're, you're cutting a branch off of this tree 
and cutting that branch off might make the central part of the tree grow stronger and taller, but cutting the branch off might cut off half the fruit that your career would have produced when you're that early. So it's tough for me to say. Yeah, that's true, Dan. And at the risk of making this not rapid fire any longer, um, one thing I do want to to clarify here is I think it is essential to think about what your goals are more broadly in graduate school. Certainly, like getting your thesis done is an important goal that you have, but also doing some self-reflection and spending some time engaging in your own professional development, think about what careers you might want to do, and next steps after graduate school, also important. So I just want to be very clear that what we're not advocating for here is being laser focused on only your thesis with your head down and saying like, oh, I could go to this career development workshop and learn about this career I think is interesting because I really need to do my experiments today. Uh, Because part of your goal, you may have important professional goals that are very important to you besides just getting your thesis done. I love that. And I I think having that focus on the end point is really helpful. If I want to teach it may not be a waste of my time to join Toastmasters or to join an improv troupe or whatever kind of communication outside the box group that you want to join because it's going to give you skills that help you as a lecturer. So I think just like keeping in mind what your end goal is makes total sense here and knowing which things are going to support that and which things are just distractions. All right, Dan, the next one, asking for help or support from friends, family, or mentors when needed. Or therapists. All sorts of uh, people that you can ask for help. Yes, many of us don't like to ask for help. The older I get, the more value I see in it. Yeah, absolutely. We've said it before, Dan, uh, part of being a graduate student in a PhD program is growing in independence, but that does not mean isolation. So asking for help is something you are going to have to do. Not you might have to do, but you will have to do. And one of the folks we talked to on the last episode mentioned the importance of multiple mentors. So the people you might need to ask for help are beyond just your thesis advisor. They could be other people in your professional circles or your family or your friends. Um, Josh, my six-year-old came home the other day and he said, oh, I didn't know how to do this work at school and I had to ask for help. And I said to him, I ask for help every single day. You know, there are things that I get stuck on that I do not know how to do. And I know my colleagues know how to do them. And they are so generous with their time in helping me. And at the same time, I help them. And so I, I try to impress on him every day. Not being able to do something is not a crime. It's not a sin. It's not a character defect. It's a state and you can move through it by getting help. So hopefully everybody listening is willing to ask for that same help that my six-year-old is learning to ask for. Well, I'm glad that ChatGPT thought enough to put that in. It was so nice. Tips. Just so heartwarming. All right, Dan, I really like this next one. Taking regular breaks to rest and recharge and engaging in activities that help to reduce stress and improve overall well-being. I love how holistic this list has become. This is really impressive to me. It's, it's just heartwarming, Josh. And uh, I don't know, you in grad school took break. I think you were into several hobbies, fishing, board games. Uh, we obviously went to the bar regularly. So I can't, I can't agree with chat GPT more. Those are all good things. In fact, Dan, I would argue that we were 
probably more, I can at least speak for myself, I was probably more efficient when I was taking time to do those other things. You know, I talked about how I really tried to keep boundaries around my weekends so that I could do a lot of these other things that I enjoyed doing. And that made me a more productive grad student during the week. And you didn't waste any time talking to AI chatbots back then. Nope. Only talking to you, Dan. Same thing. All right, Dan, one more here. And the last one is evaluating your progress regularly and making adjustments to your schedule or priorities as needed. It it makes sense. It's tough to do if you don't keep some kind of document of what you've been working on. But I think being able to look back and see, oh, I did make progress. Very helpful. Very good for your self-esteem. And, you know, I, I wrote down a little note here, Josh, that I have noticed in myself that certain types of work are better for me at certain times of day. So I mentioned earlier that I need to do the things that I don't really feel like doing early because once I get my head around some problem, that's what's going to occupy me. So I have found morning time is a better time for me to start on that thing I don't like. And in the afternoon, maybe if, if my like natural energy is just a little bit lower, then giving myself a problem that's really engaging on its own is a nice fit. So I think people, everybody has a different sort of circadian rhythm. For me, that works, but pay attention to your own activity. If you find yourself constantly uh, wasting the morning and then only getting started on something in the afternoon, you probably need to change something up. I love that, Dan. And it seems what you're advocating for is really intentionally observing yourself and and self-reflecting, excuse me, and self-reflecting. And, and I think that's what I love the most about this one piece of advice here at the end, the evaluating your progress regularly. Because, you know, I think it's almost like when you're an experiment, Dan, or your project. You know, if you did a series of experiments for a week and you just, or even a month, and you just kept going forward with more and more experiments without evaluating the data of the experiments that came before, you'd be increasingly wasting your time and likely going in a direction that's not helpful and not getting you closer to the truth of whatever you're seeking in your, your experimental design and your project. And I think it's kind of like that with life, Dan, like every day as we encounter new things, we meet new people, uh, we have new experiences, we're taking in data and we're learning things about ourselves. but only if we stop to evaluate all of those experiences and all of those all of those conversations and things that we've we've encountered day in and day out, um, those are the things that are going to enable us to um, do things like be flexible, make adjustments. Sometimes our goals change. You know, if you're anything like me, Dan, my my plans and thoughts did change throughout graduate school about what I wanted to do. And um, you may very well find by the end of grad school, you have totally different ideas about what you want to do than when you started at the very beginning. Um, but you'll more efficiently get there the more you're self-evaluating as you go. Totally agree. It's a great time to think about what you want out of life. There's a lot of it ahead of you and a lot of chance to make changes. So I agree with that wholeheartedly. All right, Dan. And lastly, uh, ChatGPT takes us home on this topic by saying, overall, the key to effective time management as a graduate student is to develop habits and strategies that work for you and help you stay focused and productive. Excellent, Josh. Um, as I look back over this list, I one thing that I, I'm noticing is there are certain things that I think they're kind of on you, the listener. They're an individual activity. So you're going to decide mostly whether you take 
you have a dedicated space for studying and a quiet distraction-free zone, and you are going to be in charge of your own ability to limit your time on social media. But um, as I've thought through some of these pieces of advice, and I've thought through my own kind of work schedule and, and work habits, some of these things the organization can bring in from the outside. So your PI or your lab could do things to help you with some of these other things. I think specifically of knowing what your schedule is for the day, just somebody asking you or having that public place where you have to think about it and you know everybody is expecting you to say, here's what I'm going to work on today. That to me is just a great reinforcement of what maybe I could do on my own, but I would say, oh, I I don't need to do that today. Um, One of the other ones was evaluating progress regularly, being able to look back and say, here's what I've gotten done. We have a process at work where we do that every, you know, every six months or every year or whatever. And we go through and we say, well, what what did I achieve this year? And what were the skills and abilities and interactions that helped me achieve that? And what can I do to be better at it? And I think having all of those sort of external influences forcing me to think about my day, forcing me to think back over my schedule, it just gives me a little bit of structure. And so I think labs could do a better job uh, and not just expecting the individual to do it at all. I love that, Dan. Well, hopefully it was obvious that I was being a bit tongue-in-cheek with seeking out ChatGPT to totally just start writing our podcast episodes for us. Stay tuned. Yeah, you know, Dan, I think what this what this experiment with ChatGPT in our podcast episode showed me was the potential for this technology, at least right now, is not to uh, just give us all the answers, but to get us part of the way there, give us some things to think about. I think this spurred some really interesting uh, conversation. Hopefully, our listeners found something, some nugget that they could uh, take from this to utilize in their own day-to-day life in graduate school to help with their own time management. I know there were some of these things, as we talked about them, Dan, were reminders for me, things that maybe I knew about, but I'm like, oh, I need to remember to tighten that up a little bit in my own process um, and in my own life. So uh, I thought this was helpful overall. I think this is a first step into what's going to be a very important part of research in the future. And so hopefully we don't leave it at just time management from ChatGPT. I really do want to think a little bit about how it's going to change the culture of science. And I think it is happening and it's going to accelerate. So I would love to hear from our listeners. Uh, As you mentioned earlier, Josh, like how are you starting to use this already? Maybe people in some of the bioinformatics world or some other parts of computer science have been doing this for a long time. For the rest of us, we're going to see more and more applications. And I want to hear about that as it happens, because it's going to transform a lot of our uh, academic work and a lot of our industry. So, you know, we're the human side of science and life in the lab. That's what we want to talk about. All right, Dan, along those lines, if you would like to reach out to us with questions or topic ideas, you can email us podcast at hellophd.com, send us a tweet at hellophd, and if you like the show, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting platform. We love the feedback, and it helps new listeners find the show. If you'd like to support us, you can become a patron. Simply go to our website, hellophd.com, click the Become a Patron button, or you can visit patreon.com slash hellophd. We would appreciate the beer money and thanks to the ongoing support from all of our patrons. Oh, Josh, one last thing that I need to throw in here at the end of the show. What's that? Uh, on every show note, 
I have to put an image up. And for the last five or six years, I've spent an hour searching for the perfect image in stock photo websites. And recently, I've been able to generate images based specifically on what I'm looking for using the image generation side of ChatGPT, which is called Dolly. So I just want to throw out there, I have already been using this technology and loving it for the fact that I can just get a picture of what I want generated by computer. So go check that out. I love it. And if you want to see that action, you can look at the header image on our website, hellophd.com, for episodes 184, 185, and our most recent before this one, 187. And I have to say, Dan, this uh, episode 187 about the posters, I did not realize until you mentioned it to me this week that that was AI generated. I thought that was a photo. That's how I trick you, Josh. Pretty, pretty frightening. All right. Well, I, I assume this will evolve by the time this gets released. It may have taken over the entire world, but in the meantime, thanks to ChatGPT and its developers for the episode, and we'll see you next time, Josh. See you next time. <laughs>